Is this the reading room? Yes, I'm Saad Manzul. And I'm Travis Howard. This is Reading Room Talk. Thank you for pressing play. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Yes, we got a special one today. We got the Queen of Skin of Color, Dr. Nada Bullock here with us. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really honored to be here. Ah, we appreciate you making the time. This is awesome. We have so many questions for you. So many questions. But the first one is, before you took your throne, when you were in medical school, what was your toughest class or rotation? Ooh. Um... Toughest rotation, I'd have to say, was my sub-internship in the ICU my fourth year. Um, <laughs> that sounds intense. It was intense, and that's like the, the softest way to describe it. Um, you know, basically, I had taken a year off to do research, and so I came back, and I was like, you know what? I, I've been out of the game for a minute, you know, from doing medicine, and before intern year, let me try to do a lot of, like, you know, really intense medical months that'll get me really prepped for intern year. And uh, that's what I got. So yeah. that um, was your first rotation after being out for you? <laughs> no, it wasn't the first. It was I did away rotations. It was a couple months in, which actually made it harder because I was even further. I'd been in the Durham world for so long. And so I was even further from having done, you know, internal medicine third year. But, um, you know, it was intense for a couple of reasons. Like ICU is obviously intense no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I was at a tertiary care center where I went to medical school and, you know, the patients were very sick and the stats for getting out of the ICU were not good. If you were sick enough to be there, yeah. um, you know, yeah. it was tough to get out. So it wasn't just tough medically, but it was also tough emotionally, um, yeah, you know, just dealing with losing patients for the first time and, you know, getting to know their families and, and all of that process. So that definitely yeah. stands out as, as probably one of the toughest. I can echo that. You know, wow. I had about six months in the ICU during my my prelim year. And while six I loved months? doing the procedures, oh, it was a lot. It was That's a awesome. lot. And while wow, I loved what doing kind of prelim procedures, was that? Oh, it was supposed to be cush. But let me tell you, it was um, wow. It was challenging. And you're dealing with those end-of-life discussions. And you don't know. You're just fumbling around. But you're. I think at, at yeah. the core, you just tried to relate. And you tried to be gentle and tried to be kind with folks. And... I think they ended up appreciating that, you know, as a trainee, as a fourth year medical student, um, it's like, it's like drinking from a fire hose. I'm not sure that was intense. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, stuff. And I'm sure it's like different just coming from the Durham world where you're kind of, you know, more yeah. healthy patients and you're like in a clinic where people you're like seeing people as opposed to like, you know, in the ICU is like just a different, different world. So yeah, that's it's, uh, it's a different world when you're, you know, I mean, we definitely get sick people on the inpatient side of Durham, you know, if you do mm-hmm. consults or you do inpatient dermatology, but, but doing full-time ICU on, you know, as an internist is really a whole nother um, level of dealing with just complex medical conditions and people who are really sick. And yeah. it just, it, it's, it's a tough job. It is. It is big up to the ones that do it though. Absolutely. So Bless those people who do it every day. <laughs> Hey, that solidifies your desire to go into Durham, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> you know, it wasn't really connected per se, but I did make me realize that I didn't do as well with really losing the emotional side of losing patients mm. on a you know a more regular basis like that. You know, as I mentioned, you get sick patients sometimes on consults, and even your own patients that you see on outpatients, you know, can pass away from things. But it's you know, for the most part, we do have a lot of healthy patients who we can get better 
And yeah. I felt for my personality, that also was more fitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that makes wow. So take us back. So where are you from? And uh, how did you get interested in medicine? Gosh, so where am I from? That's always a loaded question. Um, yes. Like how far we want to take it back. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I myself was born in Boston. Um, hmm. I grew up for most of my life in Akron, Ohio. And, really um, you know, we call it AK Rowdy for AK anyone who knows. AK Rowdy, baby. Um, Northeast Ohio represents. That's, that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> We're known for a lot of things. Some people know us for LeBron. Some people know us for the tire industry. Mm, that's right. Or those of us. Yes, we are. So really, Ohio is what I call home when people ask me where you're from. Now, where am I from? From an ethnic standpoint, my parents are from Sudan. Uh, they immigrated mm, here um, a few decades ago. Yep. So shout out to mm. Sudanese, including uh, Dr. Manzul here. So um, right. you know, there's a small right. Sudanese population here in the United States, and we're also a very proud group. So mm -hmm. I. Um, you know, I identify obviously growing up as a Sudanese American, as a black American. Um, and, you know, since having left for college, I've also lived at multiple, you know, places since then um, that I, you know, call claim to whenever, whenever they come up as well. <laughs> so, yes, yes, that's great. That's great. Now, now, did you have any, like, was there anyone in your family that was a doctor? Or did you just kind of stumble upon it yourself? Or how did you get interested in medicine? Yeah, so my dad was a professor, so, you know, the, the PhD type of doctor, not the MD doctor. Um, so academia was always big in my home. Um, but my, I had one uncle, my mother's brother was a physician, um, but I didn't, you know, know him as well growing up. So that wasn't really the impetus for me going into medicine. What happened actually in middle school is we had like a career day. And so I shadowed my pediatrician in Akron. And from that point on, I was like, that's it. I'm becoming You're a doctor. In. Wow. I was in. I was, I was sold from seventh grade. Um, that's awesome. That's really so, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I thought for a long time I was going to do pediatrics because that's all I knew and all I'd seen. But mm -hmm. that part evolved over time. But I did stick with the going into medicine part. I see. That's awesome. Now, did you stay in Ohio for, um, I guess, for undergrad? Did you leave? What was your next step at, at that point? So I ended up leaving Ohio, um, which was a tough decision because we have a six-year medical program in Northeast Ohio that mm -hmm. I'd gotten into. Oh, and wow. so my parents felt like... Well, shout out oh, to my big, big shout out to you for getting this. That's a very competitive... The Neo-UConn program is... It is, yeah. yeah. Thank you. So my parents were like, oh, well, you, you, this is near home. It's straight to medicine. You, you know, you should do that. But I really wanted to have a liberal arts education mm -hmm. and, you know, really kind of explore more than just directly going into medicine. So against their wishes, I did not do the six-year program. Um, and, uh, but I know, very rebellious. And then I ended up uh, going to uh, Princeton University in New Jersey. And, very cool. Uh, yeah, so I did my undergrad there and had a great experience. That was also, um, you know, an intense, not easy place to get through, uh, to be pre-med. And I, I studied, I didn't want to major in the sciences though. Well at least biomedical sciences. I did social sciences. So I majored in psychology, minored in uh, gender studies and African-American studies. Very and, cool. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. It was good. I feel like I got really broad um, education. And then from there, um, I ended up going to University of Michigan. 
I mean, you went to Princeton. You going with the Princeton going against your parents' wishes? I know, isn't that yes, crazy? Yeah. That <laughs> is. I mean, that's against your immigrant parents' wishes. You're so strong. I mean, how did you do that? I mean, I, Listen, I don't know. It took a lot to of will. I, I tell my siblings, I really paved the way for them to get to do what they want because I had to fight the fights to really, you know, get get that um, ability to yeah. have them open up. But you know, overseas in a lot of places it is more of kind of a six year track, you know, college and medicine are kind of combined. So that always just made more sense to them too. Yeah. Like I want to explore, I want to do liberal arts. They're like, what are you talking about? Like you you said, you want to do medicine. Like just do it. So so that really took a lot of conversations. Um, and, And I have no regrets about it. I mean, at the time it was stressful, but I, um, they supported me once I did make the decision and, um, and I'm glad I did, you know, so, so like I said, I think I got a good education and, and I feel like as physicians, you know, you need a good humanities background too. Yes, um, I was speak so to much. And interestingly, I became a dermatologist, which I had no idea would have so much psychology within it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, all the psychology that comes with having skin and hair diseases, which are visible to the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, it all is still relevant today, but, um, oh, but getting awesome. back to being a Wolverine, Oh, God. Here we go. Blue, okay? Here we go. From Ohio. Not to rub it in, okay? Don't let me start the fight song. Um, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> going hard. Now, All right. We'll I, just, I, have, I have two brothers who are hardcore Ohio State fans, so I'm very used to dealing with this. <laughs> but, um, I still love Ohio, but I do have love for my alma mater. So I went to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and really had a very like you know strong medical school experience there, and ended up doing an extra year there. They had a research program um, called MCRE, which stood for Multidisciplinary Clinical Researchers in Training, and very it was cool. funded by this um, NIH program. It was a T32 funded program, and so it allowed you to get a Master's of Science in Clinical Research, predominantly from coursework in the School of Public Health. Um, and then you also did clinical or translational research in a department of your choice, which for me was derm. So well, that so you were kind of early on, like you wanted to do derm. Like when did that kind of come into your head? I guess. Yeah, that's a good question. So I, as I mentioned initially, I was pediatrics, right? And then it evolved. So I did a lot of summer programs, and I encourage anyone who's really interested in medicine. You know, there are so many great programs that happen in the summer throughout the year for middle school, high school, and college students. And those yes. programs are great. Um, Saj and I did one of those at Case Western, which now has a new name. I don't know if you know what it's called. Yeah, it's um, called SPEP now. S-H-P-E-P. Okay. So we back in our day, what was it called? M-M- it was called M-M-E-P back in the day. M-M-E-P. Exactly. That's right. That's right. So anyway, there's so many programs. So I had done one back junior summer in college at NYU. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I actually really got into OBGYN. And then oh, yeah. for a minute, I thought, I'm doing OBGYN. You know, I really mm-hmm. like women's health. I like babies. And I like, that's when I discovered I like the idea of subspecializing. So that's when I moved yeah. from doing something general, like pediatrics, internal medicine, to, to subspecialties. 
And then first year of med school, I spent a summer at Sloan Kettering and I was in the urology department. Oh, and then wow. I was like, oh, urology, this is kind of interesting too. So again, <laughs> I realized I really like some specialties. Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up at Michigan shadowing a dermatologist in Detroit. And that was really the pivotal experience for Ooh, me. Because, what was their name? Uh, Dr. Lorna Thomas. Shout so out. she is a really wonderful um, role model. She's an African-American dermatologist, has a you know real thriving practice in Detroit. And she had a ton. She has so much diversity there, right? But a ton mm-hmm. of black patients, a lot of skin of color. And then I realized, wow, I really love this. I mean, I was just so excited by it. I loved the fact that it was, you know, you could do outpatient, you could do medical, you could do procedural, you had longitudinal care, you could take care of whole families, um, and that you could see the disease process. That was big for me. Like, I'm a visual person, Mm -hmm. and I love just, you walk in the room and you just look at the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So that was when I realized this is it, you know? Yeah, and so I shadowed her many times, and then once I knew from spending time with her that I was doing derm, that led to me deciding to do the research year um, to kind of explore derm more from a research side after third year. That's very cool. I, I hear you. I hear you not being afraid to jump into whatever came your way. You know, you expose yourself to a broad range of things. Yeah, going back to undergraduate school, like I, I want to talk about African. African-American studies at Princeton, but I mean, there's so much to cover because you've done so much. And I think that just makes you, like you say, a stronger physician. I think it makes you a stronger applicant and and just stronger at whatever you choose to do. More um, well-rounded person in general. Yeah. yeah. And, but, yeah. you know, it is hard to do that, you know, when it's so hard to get into matriculate in a medical school, find a residency, do research. It's, you know, all you hear is the sooner the better. The sooner you figure out what you want to do, the better off you'll be. Um, but right. you ma- you managed to to balance both exposure to many things and choosing what you wanted. So man, big up to you. And um, Thank you. yeah, yeah, it takes a lot yeah. of bravery. I mean, like from like an immigrant family who was like yes. six years, you can be a doctor, but you chose to go to Princeton and get a degree that was not in medicine and take the pre med classes right. at the same time. You know, that's that's. That's bravery. And that's that's yeah. awesome. It made you a better person. It makes you yeah. more rounded. And, you know, it's 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 definitely a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, like, if yeah. you feel like yeah. you need to take your time, you got to take your time. That's right. Yeah. No, thank you guys for saying that. I appreciate it. I think definitely when you're going through it, it doesn't feel like bravery. You're like, oh, my God, I'm in the struggle. And will the struggle ever end? <laughs> um, yeah. That's what it feels like when you're in it. But, you know, when you look back, it really does you know, mark and crave, or excuse me, carve your journey, but it also affects like the person you become, you know, mm-hmm, because, you know, I think like you said, the more exposed you are, like, I feel like I'm better off for it, not just professionally, but also personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel better equipped to kind of just deal with things in life because I feel like I have seen a lot, I've been a lot of places um, and I'm still learning. I really, I view myself as a lifelong learner and you know, one of the things I've been fortunate along the way is also to have some great mentors. So I saw people who were doing what I want to do. I, I found people who also believed in me. And, you know, I think you have to believe in yourself more than anyone, first and foremost. But having people True. who support you and believe in you along the way, um, I think it's that combination that really helps you take one step after the another. And 
you know, to your point, Sad, it is a marathon. And sometimes you cannot see that finish line when you are in it, you know? No, there's no finish and, line. <laughs> right. People. Like, you know, you're at mile 12 and you're like, I don't think there is a finish line, you know? Right. And so, but sometimes it's literally just putting one step in front of the other, knowing mm-hmm. that you are on the path and the journey and, and you will eventually get there if you really are determined for that to be your destiny. Absolutely. And you'll get there and like, you know, feel fulfilled rather than feel like drained, you know, that's a big big difference. So that's awesome. So, uh, so take us to uh, medical school, you start applying to dermatology, did so I'm sure you kind of knew dermatology can be tough to apply for and you're still brave enough to go ahead and do it. So tell us about the application process. So that was really stressful. Um, You know, derm has and continues to be extremely competitive. And, um, you know, I had done, you know, my research year, but, you know, I remember still being advised to consider having a backup, consider applying to another specialty. And I had to push back on that. And I said, you know, to the advising office, like, I don't have another specialty I want to do. This is what I want to do. And if I don't get it, then I'm just going to have to figure out what I need to do to get there. So um, against their recommendation, I did not apply to another specialty. Um, I applied to just derm. I applied broadly. Um, But, you know, yeah, we applied to a lot of programs. And then we do a, you know, either an intern or transitional year as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I just applied to many places. Uh, I prayed, (laughs) you know, I worked hard. (laughs) Obviously, at that point, once you've applied, you've done everything you could. So, you know, I felt like I had um, I had a lot of good things in my application that I was hoping would would make other programs feel, you know, I was a good fit. And then thankfully I did match. And, um, you know, yes. it was uh, big I, deal. I had to, you know, yeah. Yeah. So Johns that was, Hopkins. Yes. Yes. Matched with Johns Hopkins, which was really amazing. And, um, you know, that was another great chapter uh in the journey which you know and which had its own challenges too i think for all of us we can talk about our challenges in residency but you know what's interesting with derm is it's not it's really its own language like it's not you know when you do let's yeah. say, internal medicine you've learned at least some of that in medical school and then you yeah. obviously dive way deeper into residency but when you start derm, I mean, you're just hearing terms left and right. And you're like, what? Yep. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. It literally feels like a foreign language class. Um, <laughs> there are just thousands of skin diseases you've never heard of. You're mm-hmm. having to do, you know, histopathology. You don't know what you're looking at in the microscope. Um, so the, the first six months are just overwhelming to say you're the You're just least. like learning the language and trying to like figure out how to get from point A to point B each day. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, um, yeah, fun. so that was the next step. I left. I did intern year in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a transitional year. And then after six years in Ann Arbor, made it back to the East Coast and, and was in Baltimore for another three. Very cool. Very cool. And um, were there any people that kind of influenced you at uh, at Hopkins that were like kind of instrumental in you, you know, going the path that you chose at that point? I mean, definitely, you know, the chair there um, has been a great mentor to me, um, Dr. Sewon Kang. And, um, you know, also our, um, we had a one African-American faculty member, Dr. Janetta Koye, who was very supportive, you know, of myself and many of the other um, minority residents there. And so she actually is now the chair at Howard. And oh, so, cool. um, 
you know, I had really great support from them uh, to, you know, throughout residency, but also I, I was able to keep doing research as a resident, which was, you know, the research awesome. I did during my year out and residency, I think really impacted why and how I'm still in academia now, because there was just a lot of work I had done by the time I had finished training that kind of was a launch pad for me in terms of continuing research related work. Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. That's awesome. So, and then your next, I guess your next step is like, I guess some dermatologists will just go work and then some will go do a fellowship. So what was your next step at that point? So at that point, you know, I felt at the end of residency, I was kind of in a conundrum because I wanted to get more expertise in skin of color dermatology and also pigmentary disorders. So that's my other niche. And those two overlap because a lot of skin of color conditions are pigmentary conditions. But then there are things like vitiligo, which can happen to anybody, mm -hmm. which is a pigmentary condition as well. So, you know, I wanted to kind of get deeper in that niche. And then I had some other passions, right? So I wanted to do more procedures. So I was like, all right, do I need to do Mohs? Because I want to know how to also do procedures safely in darker skin, especially lasers. Mm -hmm. So at the time, they, they used to have, they don't have it, um, didn't have it then, excuse me, but they have now these procedural fellowships that are non mos but at the time they didn't have it. So I was like, all right, the only way to get procedural training is either to apply for mos There was one or two laser fellowships in the country. Um, and then oh. I thought, yeah, and so I, I applied to those. And then by a stroke of luck, and this is where just serendipitous things happen for, you know, God has a plan for you. And then things just kind of come in front of you. So oh, yeah. I was at a conference and I ran into the vice chair from University of Pennsylvania. And he says to me, um, you know, what are you doing next year? And I said, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. I, you know, I kind of want to get more experience, but there's no exact kind of fellowship for the things I want to do. So he says to me, well, I have this fellowship at Penn called the Clinician Educator Fellowship. And you come on, you, you are part-time instructor, part-time fellow. And wow. during your fellowship part, you basically carve out your niche and whatever you want to do. That's awesome. Like, wow, this sounds great. Like, this is kind of what I want to do. So um, so I ended up going that route. And so I, I even though I had applied, actually, I interviewed for a couple of most programs and the laser ones. And then I actually withdrew my application because I applied to the pen one and got it. And then, um, wow. yeah, so I went from Baltimore to Philly. Mm. And, um, and that was, I know, just right going right up. And then I stayed <laughs> going up 95. So, but then that was an awesome year because, you know, you don't, when you finish residency, I always tell people like your first year, a couple years in practice, it's like another kind of chapter of training. Even though there's training. not a name for it, yeah. right? Because <laughs> yep. there's much you're learning managing things on your own um, when you're coming out of residency so this kind of gave me a bridge and allowed me to kind of build my niche more and so I basically got to spend time with experts across the country and even globally I did some things internationally um, cool. people who really specialized in my areas of interest I was interested in medical journalism so I went and spent some time in the medical unit at ABC um, yeah. in New York City <laughs> Yeah, so I just did like a whole bunch of cool things, and I was <laughs> yeah, together like this, you know, non-traditional fellowship. Um, and so, so it was great for me, you know. It wasn't like the standard linear path, but it mm -hmm. helped me build out 
and carve out what I wanted to do. Um, And so by the time I finished at Penn, I really knew what I was about. I knew what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And when I applied for jobs, I could be very direct about like, this is my area of interest. This is my area of expertise. This is what I'm looking for. Um, That is awesome. So so Nada, tell me on your journey, what was the most difficult thing that you overcame and how did you do it? You know, I would say it was never just one moment. Um, The most difficult thing Mm. was one, keeping going, Um, not giving up at any point in time, and two, continuing to kind of believe that I could get to where I wanted to be even when others doubted it. Mm -hmm. So even when, you know, going to Princeton was, you know, off the beaten path for this linear path to medicine. And even when I was told, you know, Durham is competitive, you may not get it, apply to something else. And even when I wanted to do procedural stuff, but didn't want to do most, like there were so many turning points where what I wanted to do wasn't like a linear direct path. Mm -hmm. And I, I was hearing a lot more of like what I should be doing, but it wasn't always what I wanted to do. And so Mm -hmm. I think following my inner voice, um, that's awesome. Continuing on that path. I mean, you know, so I guess it doesn't directly answer your question as one time point, but, but for me, that was the difficulty in the journey was just continuing the journey yeah. and knowing that there was going to be an endpoint where I could look back and say, yes, yeah. I did what I wanted to do and I'm glad I did it and it was worth it. Right. Um, because, yeah. I mean, when it's a 14 year journey, you know (laughs) 14 that's right yeah it's a long long time like most jobs and and you know things in our society don't take that long so to kind of have the stamina and the willpower to continue and persevere on that that was probably the most difficult thing for me and it, it sounds like it would be you know so it's so difficult i think you know your your typical good student um is is very um it's hard for you to buff against you know your parents or what others might tell you your mentors or advisors um so for you to do that again i'm just i'm impressed and i'm inspired and i hope others are as well to trust your gut follow your gut and do do what it is that you think you ought to do um how you do that when it gets difficult what, what would you tell them what would you tell them? You know, I, I think people I have to be comfortable with their own path and knowing that when you carve your own path, it may not look like someone else's and yeah. that things are not always linear. You know, mm-hmm. you may have to turn right, left, go diagonal, up, down. Like you may have to go in some different directions than you might have <laughs> imagined to get to your destination and endpoint. But that's mm-hmm. okay, right? That's part of your journey and you have to be okay with that. Um, I think... You got to stay in your lane um, and, you know, know where your end goal is, but don't look so far ahead that you discourage yourself. You know, like it's kind of a balance. You, you know, keep your eye on the prize, but look at what's right in front of you for what you need to do next. That's huge. That's, that's, awesome. that's great advice. Yeah, that's great advice. That's exactly how you got to do it. Cause uh, I mean, it's your journey. No one else is going on it. They'll have advice for you, but you're the one on the, on the right. path. So you got to do it yourself. So that's right. awesome. That's great advice. And, uh, 
we appreciate you taking the time out. We know that you are super busy and you are yeah. seeing and doing many, many things, but we appreciate you taking the time out to do this with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me and just for sharing people's journeys and just, you know, amplifying our voices and normalizing that, you know, we all we all come from different backgrounds and places, but, you know, we all can get there. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. We appreciate your honesty about the journey and, you know, the bravery is just important. You know, anyone listening, just be brave. Take take your journey. Do your thing. And that's yeah, what it's that's all right. about. And thank you guys for listening. And uh, till next time, stay low and keep firing. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you get your pods.